Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Council's Kitchen Table Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Davion Lewis, and I'm here with a brother of mine, uh, um, just a great, great, awesome man, and he is going to be our co-host and my interviewer today. Today we're going to be talking about my story, so it's going to be a little bit different, so I have my friend here. He's going to be our guest host. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, guys, I'm Antonio Albright. Uh, again, I'm a owner social media personality, DJ personality, uh, church enthusiast, uh, yeah, Antonio Albright, father, kids, <laughs> exclusive, talk. exclusive talk radio, yeah. uh, I definitely didn't want to do some names, That's but you're going to get the exclusive today, That's definitely, it. owner of exclusive talk radio, so def make sure you tap in and tune in, we have 24 hour radio going all day long that stretches out not just yes. in America but across the globe so uh, we display artists from all genres from mm -hmm. hip-hop to R&B to even gospel music we have some yes. uh, spinning on the station awesome. so definitely y'all uh, make sure you hit that follow make sure you hit that like and subscribe as well exclusive talk radio is here with the counselors kitchen table yes yes long time coming glad they be here yes, man yes. okay <laughs> So, uh, yeah, like I said, the, the show's going to be formatted, as always. It's the premiere of Season 2, which I'm excited and elated about. You guys have been asking, emailing, DMing, all that good stuff. Uh, I know it's literally been over a year. The last episode was released, I think, October 21st, 2020. So mm -hmm. it's been out literally over a year. Um, also, this is my birthday episode. Um, so, uh, happy birthday to me. Thank God. Bless God. You guys... Uh, can bless me in the cash app if y'all want TCK Table LLC. Uh, that'll be linked in the description of the video as well. If you guys want to be a blessing, I appreciate it. But again, I've been so busy with catering and life and just just uh, focusing full throttle on my career and other things like that. So I appreciate y'all for sticking in with me, tuning in with me. Uh, one young lady tells me she's listened to the entire podcast at least six times. Wow. Uh, because just the meat of the information. So of course. This season, we're going to be doing some things a little bit differently. Um, I wanted to introduce the concept, uh, and this episode is called This Is My Story, because I'll be doing just that, telling my story. Um, last, last season, we focused on a lot of concepts, things like wealth building, relationships, growth, uh, um, your growth as, as a male, your growth as a female, uh, and how those things look. We talked about kids, parenting, we talked about a wide variety of topics last season. This season we want to take a more personal touch so we are actually diving into stories and um, you guys know based off of the description of this podcast uh, everyday people need to connect with everyday people. I'm an everyday person uh, although I am a personality, I'm a podcast host and that sort of thing. I'm a regular person, I'm an everyday person and hopefully my story can be a blessing to you all. So we've got some great people um, brother of mine who's been through the, the uh, penitentiary system, he'll be in to tell his story. A young lady of mine, uh, a friend of mine who's dealt with um, molestation and sexual abuse, she'll be in to tell her story. Another friend of mine who's dealt with drug addiction, she'll be in to tell her story. I have a friend of mine who's dealt with uh, being married young and having to, um, having to adjust his lifestyle for marriage, and he'll be in to tell his story as well. So we've got a wide variety of topics we're going to be talking about. It'll all be very personal, uh, story-driven. So this is my story, and I have uh, my guest host here. He's going to be interviewing me to help me tell my story to you all. Okay, so let's get started. 
Um, as always, it's formatted, word of the day, food for thought, and takeaways. So we're going to run in with our word of the day. So what's our word of the day, Tony? Our word of the day is tenacious. All right. Tenacious. Okay. Uh, with the meaning of holding fast, mm -hmm. characterized by keeping a firm hold. Right, you can you can look okay. at it. You got yeah, I, a tenacious like a tenacious grip. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, got that grip yeah. of the arm. Uh -huh. uh, uh, tenacious of an old habit. It's mm -hmm. real strong. You yes. can't just uh, highly retentive. Mm -hmm. It's always right yeah. there on the front of the mind. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, a tenacious memory. Mm -hmm. uh, tenacious. When you think of that, it's like persistent. Yes. Uh, in existence, mm -hmm. so it's gonna constantly. Yeah constantly be there to yeah. push uh, so it's not easily dispelled it's not easily just pushed off again being it being the forefront of the thought yes uh, another another uh, another written down note adhesive or sticky mm -hmm. tenacious could be uh, vicious yes gluttonous mm -hmm. or much of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. now you know co cohesiveness yes. uh, holding together mm -hmm. Not easily pulled asunder, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So absolutely tenacious. I, I relate to uh, all of those words, and especially as it relates to my story, which we'll dive into uh, the deeper parts in just a, a minute. But many of you know, I lost my mom back in 2018. So at this point in time, that word just kind of really encompassed my entire parameters of life in that time, both the negative and the positive portions mm -hmm. of the word. Uh, because tenacious has a both positive and I mean it's neutrally connotative as a positive right. connotation and a negative connotation. With the positives, um, you know, I, if you are a tenacious person, you're gonna always push through. You're gonna always find a way to get to the other side. You're you're never gonna give up. You're never gonna let loose. You're gonna fight you're gonna, your way. You're through gonna it. fight your way through it, and you're gonna you're gonna grip that thing, and you're gonna hold that thing. And I think about sometimes uh, when I hear that word, I think about. Jacob wrestling the angel, and he was like, "Until, until you bless me, I ain't let go." <laughs> and and that's literally what well, that was my life. Uh, in some parts and, and and in other parts, that negative side uh, is sometimes you can hold on to things, hold on to things for too long. And it, and it, and especially that season taught me so much mm. uh, about people, about places, things, attitudes, mentalities. And all that kind of stuff, and, and and it really some of those things I continued to hold on to even after uh, my deliverance out of those moments, um, and and of course you you just you see the trajectory. You you when God shows you where something is going or where somebody's going or where their intentions are, or, you know you you gotta listen to that instinct. Otherwise, you continue to hold on, you might fall in in, in a ditch you don't want to be in and, and probably can't get yourself oh, out of it. something that way exactly. it's not meant for a season. Exactly. So, you know, uh, I experienced all of that and more in that season of uh, losing my mom and going through that emotion and going through that grief. And so we'll talk, we'll dive in, into it. But um, that word tenacious describes me because uh, in, in the good of it all, I held on and I held through. Um, mm. You know, it's, it, it would have been so easy for me to lose my mind, right. uh, lose my life, lose my, you know, because it was, it was a, a season of tremendous loss to me. So that wasn't the only thing I lost, because we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But it was just a, a tremendous season of loss. And it felt like as, as every time I would dig, I'd get deeper in it, you know. 
Uh, and so, it, it, I, but I held on through. You held on through. But before we get into that, mm -hmm. let's. I want. I want to know, uh, Davion Lewis, mm -hmm. growing up. Yeah. Um. So me growing up, I'm I'm the youngest of uh, four boys by my mom. My dad, uh, on the other hand, I'm the oldest of his. God knows how many children. Um, <laughs> that you know of. That I know of. I want to say about maybe. 14 or so that I know of, uh, but there, who knows. But either way, so I, I'm kind of in like a very weird dynamic place where I have the uh, a youngest as as far as my growing up, my upbringing, I live with mom. So I was the youngest of that household, but I also have uh, a, a bare responsibility of being the oldest child to my father's children. So I'm kind of in a weird dynamic. It's, mm. it's such a unique place to be because, you know, I couldn't be... Uh, no, I didn't get my way all the time. No, I didn't, you know, uh, I wasn't able to trick the system. You know, my mom was easier on me than she was on the rest of my brothers in some regard. How so? <clears throat> uh, I mean, it's, in, in some regard, as far as, like, honestly, I, I couldn't even tell you 100% <laughs> because she was rough on me. But it, it maybe not in as much regard of uh, whoopings and... No, I got them. No, you got them. <laughs> uh, especially when I didn't even, yeah, I got them. But, I mean, just easier in the regard of, I guess, kind of being involved. No, I wouldn't even say being involved with, with my life. More so, we had a bond, uh, and our bond was spiritual. So, we, uh, she was in church. We were all raised in church, you know. And so, uh, that was my desire, and I expressed desire uh, uh, of being involved in that. And so I think with that desire came a little bit more ease, but not much, but, but just a little bit more ease. Well, my brothers, you know, they kind of didn't express that desire all in. Uh, and like I say, it's in us all, but, but to, to walk it out uh, is something I chose to do. I chose to walk it out. So right. there, was, uh, there was more contention, I guess you could say, uh, between that, those two different elements, and so I guess she was a little bit easier on me because she knew that I had already had a path that I was I was ready to right walk, path. yeah, and walk through. So, uh, but with that being said, yeah, I still got the whoopings growing up, plenty of them with 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 uh, like I say, with ones that I didn't even deserve. I thought I deserved, but I, I just took it. And uh, you know, with that being said, growing up, I kind of uh, had always been just that tenacious individual, that that one that just kind of pulls through and pushes through no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been through a lot of things in our life, coming from a one-bedroom apartment in Broadway Square, uh, going from that to moving into a four-bedroom house, you know, um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, like a Cinderella She's story. A strong woman. Yeah, if you, if you think about it, very strong woman. Uh, she, she really poured that into me, pushing through no matter what, you know. Um, I mean, we knew we were poor, but we didn't know how poor we really was, you know what I mean? Because she always had a plan. She always had a hustle. She always had something going. And so she was very uh, tenacious, and, and, and that's something that I really 100% got picked, up, for picked sure. up right from her. So, um, you know, that's just kind of me growing up. Uh, wasn't really into much. I've always been very much into artistic things, singing, things like that, cooking. So when did the cooking, the love of cooking come come about? That came about probably in my early years, probably around six or seven. Okay. Um, 
Were you I whipping started. it up in the kitchen? Did you burn down, like burn the noodles I first? I before? really don't think I've ever really burned anything. I don't. Now, I remember the first time I had a scare. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, microwave, of course. Spoil in the microwave. But uh, I wasn't the one that, that exploded the microwave. That was my older brother, Ken. Uh, yeah, he, he, he had a microwave blew up. I saw the shock and I just stopped it. You know, I was like, oh, no. Let me, get, let me get it up out of here. Something right like that. But uh, other than that, I don't think I've ever burned anything. I remember the first thing I probably ever made was like pancakes uh, and eggs and stuff like that. I would cook breakfast and stuff like that. My stepdad, I would cook breakfast sandwiches and stuff. You know, so I just started cooking, and once I started, it was like I couldn't stop. You couldn't stop. Couldn't stop. <laughs> so uh, that's that's where the, the passion first came from. But yeah, like I say, it growing up, I had a great childhood. Loved every bit of it. Had lots of good friends, and uh, you know, I was just that kid that just uh, was different. Mm. But in that difference, uh, everybody was attracted to that difference, and so um, to this day, I mean, I, I got people. That still hit me up, man. Remember when we used to preach? Remember when we used to do this? Remember when we used to do that? Uh, you know, wow. and it, it just is what's always been in me. It's, you know, and when the spirit is in you, they know when the light is on you and you, yeah. and he's in you mm -hmm. and it shines. Yeah, there's no way it can be dimmed down. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so just continue to shine and let others Appreciate see that, that light because in the time of darkness. Mm -hmm. When you come yeah. across the timeline, you know, yes. when it comes across. They're, you know, in their presence, it's for that moment That's needed right. for in that specific time. So, That's right. man, keep that light shining. That that tenacious spirit, man. Yeah. Do you do you think you're born with it, or is it something that you're taught? Um, I have some learned behavior. And I think there are very few things that we're just born with. Um, in regard, we're born with uh, even the very instincts we develop. We talk about um, in one of my. My favorite episodes of the podcast, uh, Save Our Children with Dr. Arnetta Murray. We talk about trauma and how that trauma uh, helps us build instincts. Mm -hmm. And those instincts teach us how to respond to everything that comes across our table in life. And all of those things are developed by the time we're six or seven years old. You see what I'm saying? So very few things that we're just born with and have that natural ability to do. We learn how to do everything. Now, there are things that I believe that lie dormant in us. And then in, until those switches, those light switches come on, then we can operate in them. Uh, but as far as that tenacious spirit, I think that that's just something that was uh, just poured into me. Uh, and a lot of it came from watching my mom, watching how she moved, how she operated. And some of those things came from, um, you know, the desire at a younger, young age uh, to really push through some of the struggles that we've endured in life. Because I saw a struggle. Uh, I, of course, I was a part of that struggle. So I was in the struggle with, with everybody in the family. Right. Yeah. And there were some things that I said, I'm just not going to put up with. And and so that desire in life. So and being my the faith, youngest, mm -hmm. you was able to also see oh, yeah, the mistakes of. You know what to do, what not to Absolutely. do, and learn. Oh, yeah. If this one and this mm -hmm. one and this one. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah. I. I saw a lot of things and a, and a lot of failures and all that kind of stuff. And it's okay, you know. That's life. Uh, our perspective helps us to deal and to navigate in the confines of whatever failures we experience in life, be it our personal or what we on look for somebody else, right? And so that was my thing: is that there was a lot of things that I seen. Uh, a lot of uh, things, behaviors. I said, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with that. that. That's not for me. And so I made it 
my point. I ask God help me through it. And, and, and ever since then, I've always had that tenacious spirit to just keep pressing, keep pushing no matter what. Because right. I done been through some things. So no matter what. Yeah. So that's that. I, I believe that's where it comes from. What was getting into those things? What would you say was one of the most difficult, um, difficult op- or hard- hardest obstacles that you had to to be tenacious about and push through? Right. So uh, as I stated earlier, my mom's passing back in 2018. That was a um, just one of the hardest experiences I've ever had to deal with, ever had to go through, and um, a lot of people uh, again have never heard my rendition of that. Um, because it's something that I kind of kept in, kind of held on to, being that tenacious um, nature to just hold it, hold it together no matter what, just hold on. Um, And so that's one thing that that was the hardest thing to endure. Um, One of the main things was because I, as the youngest, I found her deceased. Um, And so, like I say, many people... we're talking about your mother. My mom, uh uh-huh. So many people don't know, uh, I mean, everybody knows that I found her, but many people don't know just literally how that whole situation transpired uh, because, like I said, I'm just not one of those that's just going to run my mouth to every everybody because, you know, uh, I'm not that type of person. Yeah. How old were you when you, when you found her? So that was 2018. I'm 26 now. This is 20, 21. So I was, what, 22, 23, 23. Yeah, 23. Yeah, well, 22 going on 23 because I, I hadn't turned 23 yet. Yeah, that was September 2nd. Uh, so my birthday is in November. My mom's birthday is November the 12th, which uh, is two days before mine. Okay, so I know we're celebrating today with her birthday, November 12th. Uh, and so we were two days apart. We were just very much alike, very close uh, in nature. Yeah. And so that day... I had woken up. I was uh, just kind of chilling out and spacing out, trying to get my last few minutes of sleep in. Before, Hold on, before we get into that, okay. Day, the night before. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna assume in this what that was September 22nd. So that's a no September 2nd. So that September was the first. 2nd, that's a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about that night with your mom. So Saturday night. Well, let's just say Saturday. Saturday. Um, that morning now at that time uh it was our family reunion weekend because we celebrate labor day weekend or whatever labor memorial whatever that is labor memorial one of the weekends whatever that is in september uh so we celebrate that that first week and so uh it was our family reunion weekend that night we were all scheduled to be there at main event over on 45 south um you know for that day just to enjoy it have a good time and celebrate. So with that in mind, that morning, uh, I remember um, my aunt was living uh, in the apartment at the time. So it was her and her two girls. I was sleeping on the couch. I had just moved back home because uh, I'd lost my job doing car sales. And so I couldn't afford to live on my own anymore. So I moved back in uh, and I'm sleeping on the couch. Now, this is my furniture, but uh, I'm sleeping on the couch. I just bought this bed. I put it right in the room and went right on the couch and went to sleep because I was like, I can't, yeah, I can't do these. Like, this, she got two girls. I can't just. So, um, 
you know. Sometimes you may ever do feel some type of way. That's yeah, my man, but that's all but right. I got, I got you, yeah. I got you, I got you. So, uh, you know, my aunt had woken up too. I think she had to go to work. At that point in time, she didn't have vehicles. She asked my mom. She said, hey, you know, uh, can you take me to work? I don't know where the breakdown in communication was. My mom was ready to take her to work, but she ended up catching an Uber or Lyft or whatever. And so she came back in. She was frustrated. So, uh, of course, it's the first of the month, which is a Saturday. We got to pay rent. We had already had that discussion, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So we kind of just chilled about the day. It was a real chill day around four-ish. Y'all went to the... Y'all was able to go. Well, yeah, well, I'm getting right there. So around four, as she came, I was asleep on the couch. Uh, and she came in the room, in the living room and gave me a big old hug and while I was laying on the couch. And I turned around, and she was like, get up, give me a hug. I said, okay. All right, Ma. I get up, I give her a hug. Um, so then she was like, are you ready to go? You, you want to go to the main event or you want to stay here? Because I don't know what I should do. Well, I said, well, you know, I don't have no money right now. So, you know, but I really don't need to play and all that kind of stuff. I, 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 I can just go and chill. She was like, yeah, I guess that's what I was thinking. So uh, she said, well, give me a few minutes, get dressed, we'll go. So she texting, you know, my uncle and other people, just making sure everything is good. good. Um, and so uh, we go to main event. And so we go to main event, um, the family's there, you know, majority of the family, not everybody's made it, but majority of the family's there. And uh, we had a good time, you know, she had a couple of drinks, chilled with everybody, everybody, you know, just just family reunion stuff, we had a really good time. Um, That night, we had left, um... And I think one of my other brothers, I don't think any of my brothers came, honestly. Um, But one of my other brothers, she had wanted him to come and he couldn't or whatever. He was upset. I don't know. Um, So, like I say, it was really just me, her, and then my uncles were there. I don't think my grandmother came, but she may have. I don't know. You know, cousins and stuff like that. But pretty much, I don't think none of my immediate family was there besides my uncle. Like the family reunion side. At the family reunion. Yeah, but the other side of the family. Yeah. So, you know, everybody got their goodbyes and everything like that. We went home. And so we stopped at McDonald's uh, on the way back. uh, Because, you know, that food expensive. And, um, you know, we were just talking. And she said, you know, I uh, appreciate you giving. Because at the time I was working for the church, making $75 a week, doing music ministry and, and a few other things. So she was like, I really appreciate, you know, you getting your check or whatever. Because, uh, like, that was my check. That was my only income at the time. And I had just barely, maybe about a month or so prior to that, started to sell plates and stuff like that to get my catering off the ground. Because right. after uh, leaving the dealership, car dealership, and all that kind of stuff, it just, I wasn't making no money. So I was like, let me go on and cook. Uh, so with that being said, she, you know, was my number one cheerleader. I was always doing stuff for her at them at work, and you know, they were always ordering for me, ordering food, lunches, things like that. So, uh, you know, that getting off the ground, she really pushed. She was that walking bill. Walking, for you. yeah. So, uh, with that being said, we get home that night. She goes um, to my 
bedroom where my aunt is in. And she just stick her head in there. Hey, we made it back. You all right? Because she was supposed to come, you know, my aunt, after she got off work, she chose not to for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, she just say, you all right? Everything good? We had a good time. Goes back in the room. Um, and I don't think I saw her. Well, I think she called me in a room like one last time around 10 o'clock or 11, whatever time it was, before she left to go, uh, go on and go to bed. You need to take a break? Okay. Um, and so after that, uh, that's that was pretty much my last time seeing her. She went in and checked in for the night. Now, at that point in time, uh, I was talking to a young lady. So we were on the phone for the majority of the night. And um, it was real, real weird. So I didn't know if I was dreaming this, but I guess upon re recollection, I really realized, okay, that happened. So my aunt had gotten up like in the middle of the night. Uh, she had went to the restroom. And I think she was like trying to freshen up or whatever. And uh, she came out. And then I was like, okay, that was weird. But she was in there like, I thought the shower was running or something like that. I don't know. I, I just knew it was like a significant amount of time. And so she came back out. And then after that, I really didn't hear anything get up the next morning so like I say that next morning I'm um, I get up call my my lady friend at the time you know I'm just talking with her before I have to get up and go to church I'm laying on the couch you know uh, trying to gather myself and then I'm looking at the clock and I'm like it's later 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 I'm like, okay well she ought to be up by now I don't know why she why she not up? Let me go on and just uh, go on in there. In. So I get up. I go over there, open the door, and she's face down, covers over her. The only thing that's kind of hanging out is her uh, right foot. And the light was not on. Uh, so I said, Mom, get up. It's time to go to church. Are we going to church or what? And so I didn't get a response. So I'm like, okay, Mom. Go on, get up, get up. Still no response. So at that point, I put my hand over her foot just to try to, to shake her a little bit. And she's stone cold. So at that point, I scream. And I'm just screaming because that's all I can do is scream. So my aunt comes out of the bedroom. She's like, uh, what? What's going on? I said, uh... I said, she's stiff. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, she's stiff. So I think either she or I, I want to say it was she, gets on the phone, call 911. Um, and there, I think she gives the phone to me because I had spoken to somebody at some point. Uh, yeah, she had it. No, 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 that's not how it went. So after, after I screamed, she came out of the room, whatever. Then I ran in the living room because my phone was in there, and I hung up with my, my friend. I called 911. So they're trying to give me instructions. They're talking about resuscitation. I'm like, no. You're not really processing too much mm -mm. nothing right now. No. I said, she's gone. 
So they were like, well, can you move her to see? I said, ma'am, she's gone. Just send somebody. So they're like, okay. So they, I hang up with them. They're sending the ambulance. So then my aunt is making those calls or making her calls to whomever. Um, and so while she's doing that, my whole world is just like spinning. Because life is still in effect. Oh, yeah. And then, like I said, I have my lady friend trying to call me, texting me. And she ends up calling my best friend at the time and trying to tell him to come over there and uh, see what's going on. And I text her. I said, she's dead. She's effing dead. And just leave me alone right now. And so then she calls my best friend. Like I said, send him over there. And, of course, tenacious. I'm just the type of person that's trying to hold on, hold it together, um, and, and, and keep it glued. So at that point in time, I already knew that my aunt was making calls. Um, that's just obvious. So I went on ahead and I, I, uh, is that my phone? So, that experience of you hanging up the phone, mm-hmm. people are bugging you. I mean, you got your, your your girlfriend hitting you. You got this coming this mm-hmm. way. Everything is just spinning. Yes. What? And so, at that point, I said, okay, um, in order for me to hold it together, I'm going to need my covering. Mm. So, I called my bishop. And again, this was literally minutes before it's time to start church. Start church. And I called him and I said, Bishop, uh, mom's gone uh, and I need you. And, you know, he didn't make make much conversation. Okay, uh, give me a few minutes. I'll be there. And God knew exactly what I needed because in spite of everybody and their mama, you know. Pulling up. Not even pulling up yet. This is just calling and oh, wow. and and trying like to find I say, out what's going on. Right. Uh, and this is before anything is publicized. Like I say, this is just stemming from I know on at this point my aunt is making calls and all this kind of stuff. So uh, God knew exactly to hold everybody and everything back. Not a single soul showed up before my bishop showed up and my leg lady. Uh, and I was very grateful for that because knowing where I was and, and just trying to hold it together, I probably would have let somebody have it. Mm. So it's just what I needed. And so I, I was very grateful. Uh, I knew that if it was me laying in that bed, she probably would have done the same thing because uh, just the dynamic of uh, our walk, you know. Um, and so that was my... My way of trying to be anxious for nothing, but uh, and everything just with him, right? And so I reached. They came. They prayed. Uh, set the tone and the atmosphere for the day. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, I'm still grieving, crying, upset, all that kind of stuff. But right now, I'm able to be tenacious. I'm able to keep it together. I'm, I'm able to have some some integrity to about through. to continue through the day. Because I just didn't know how I was going to get through the rest of this day. Right? Um, 
And so they came, they prayed with me, with us, all that kind of stuff, and left. So before you get into that, it was safe to assume mm-hmm. be, before the before the spirit had to come and consecrate you mm-hmm. know, the, the environment. Right. You was about to lose it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was ready to be done. Because I knew what time foolery was coming. Yeah. Um and everybody has a right to grieve the way they need to grieve, want to grieve, and things like that. Everybody's not me. I can't hold anybody to that standard, right? But at the same time, I knew what I needed for me to be tenacious, to hold it all the way together. And so that's what was needed for me, to be able to hold it together. Because anything and anybody else coming at me, yeah, I would have lost it. And it's very important to being connected mm-hmm. with God. Exactly. Being connected with people of God. And that like, set the standard in my in my honest belief. That action and that me calling it in my cover set the action and the tone through the entire process of that moment all the way through the funeral process, right? Because again, it, it the, the time foolery didn't stop there. But that was before it even came. Like you said, I had to be stay plugged in. My my plug, you know, you, you know how when when you charging your phone at night, that plug start to slip out the socket, yeah. and then the phone ain't charged, and you sitting up there thinking it's, it's charging, it's draining, and, and you get up at two o'clock in the morning, go use the bathroom, and it's on fifty nine percent. You like, what happened? You know, the plug has slipped out a little right. bit. Yeah. So okay. that was just what I needed to put that plug back into place, so that I can keep it together. together. So as she came. So yes. Bless the house, bless the atmosphere, charged it, and then they left to, to finish service and, and close out. Um, so with that in mind, um, at that point now, of course, after they leave, shortly after, the time foolery starts to come. Uh, and again, this is, not, this is not me calling anyone in specific, but remember, I'm talking about spiritual nature. So there was a lot of spiritual mess going on. Mm that I needed to be equipped, covered in, right? And uh, so I think the first one to show up after my bishop and then was my brother. My neighbor was on her way to church, so she just kind of, you know, asked, was everything all right? I told her what happened. She said, I was going to pray for y'all, and she kept it going. Uh, And I appreciate that. Um, And then, like I said, my brother was the first to come in. He stayed in the the same apartment complex, just stayed in the back. so he got there, and you know, he was just you know was a little rough. Yeah. He, he was losing it, you know. Uh, and so I had to tell him. I said, you know, I understand, but you got to calm down because you can't destroy everything in the process. So after that, he kind of went outside and just everybody kind of hung out. And that was another thing with the shift. Majority of people was hanging out outside. And I was thankful for that because it, it, I knew what atmosphere was driving away what didn't need to be inside. Uh, and so then after that, I, I believe my grandmother came uh, and other people started coming. A few people started coming. Uh, my best friend at the time came. Uh, and like I said, he was losing it. So, and, and, and my biggest uh, reservation at the time because I had lost it initially, right? But then, you know, I prayed, and I asked my cover to come in and pray. 
and God was keeping me together, but it was hurtful. So holding it together was not comforting by no means to me. Right. Because watching everybody else fall apart, well, I have to keep it together. Even though it's, you don't want to, I mean, you want to be just as rambunctious and let it all I want to be just as destroyed as everybody else. But I don't even have permission in this moment right. to be destroyed. And I'm youngest child, experienced the discovery, right? So, so not that it's harder for me than it is for anybody else, but to have to hold it together, comforting other people. So at the time, I had people calling me, asking me yeah. <laughs> to pray for them. Yeah. You understand why, what I'm saying? the biggest, biggest one that's hurting. While yeah. I'm, I'm direct, direct. But literally, I had a, a young lady, oh, it ain't, it ain't true, is it? I said, yes, man. Oh, I'm, oh you just going to have to pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You gonna get through the selfishness, okay. but she was tenacious for that one. <laughs> I mean, she was, she was holding on like glue. I said, okay. So that 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 was my biggest reservation, and like I say, it wasn't nothing personal to any one person in particular, but every single person that came in uh, had an opportunity to fall apart and just be like, okay, catch me. All right. You see what I'm saying? And even my best friend at that time, it, it really it it did something for me. Cause I'm like, okay, I understand you was connected, you was close, everything like that. I need that. you to really be strong for me right now. But who is being strong for me right now? Because the answer was no. absolutely nobody. Wow. Absolutely nobody. So that was that day, and just kind of reflecting on that day. Uh, and of course, there's there's more to the story we get into this week. But let's go ahead. Uh, before we get into that, when you when you tell us what you went through as far as witnessing it have to mm -hmm. go through the process of you know calling because i'm pretty sure the bishop was connected to her just as much mm -hmm. absolutely and so for for you for an example mm -hmm. to come in and not fall apart right but just be strong mm -hmm. absolutely i mean uh i appreciate him so much i appreciate my my coverings so much they're great people awesome people and genuine people uh, and I needed that genuine feel. Because one thing my mom was was very genuine. Mm -hmm. Very, very genuine in nature. And she just was just as real as, as she could be. You just take her or leave her. That's just who she was. Right? And so um, to lose that essence um, and then to just my, my spiritual parents to just come right in and say, okay, we got you. We're going to cover you. That was, much, like I say, much needed. God knew. Uh, because then everything thereafter was not coming to to, to, to be a shield yeah. while the rain was pouring, right? They weren't coming to be an umbrella while the rain, while the storm was going, right? They were just coming to get under the umbrella, get under yeah. the umbrella that had been set up by, you know, my spiritual parents because I wasn't the umbrella at that point. I probably wasn't holding the umbrella. Right. I wasn't the umbrella. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So everybody's coming to get underneath the umbrella. You're right. And it was like, you know, the, clutch the rain ain't really catching. You like it's catching. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, I went through a lot of deep, deep, deep grief, uh, depression, anxiety. Um, and it was just, it was something to have to continue on in a place that felt dead. Mm -hmm. 
know what I mean? It's like the whole, uh, and, and of course I'm not comparing situations by no means, but in, in the news locally here, uh, you know, there was a um, <clears throat> situation where some kids were recovered from apartment, right? The lights had been off for months, uh, or who, who knows how long, parents was gone, there was a dead body in the apartment just sitting there rotting for a year, that kind of stuff, and even though she physically was not there, but just being in that space right. where something has died around you and that stigma, that stench, that feel, that it, it just don't shake. Energy, yeah. That energy just won't shake for nothing. And of course, me being tenacious, that's the negative part of that, is that that's all I could hold on to. Physically being in, 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 the, in the same space, that's all I could hold on to was the energy that was pouring out. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I went, I, I went through a lot of uh, feeling dead inside, feeling like, okay, I'm not getting out of bed today. I'm not, and and so it didn't make matters any better. At the time, I didn't have a job. Um, at the time, you know, uh, I didn't have transportation, so it wasn't easy to find a job. All the local jobs around were paying minimum wage, which was nowhere near what I could afford to, to live off right to cover right. And so at that particular time, you know, uh, let's just, I'll continue on with the story first. At that particular time, we um, needed to talk about things because that same day I'm still getting calls. I'm getting calls from my mom's job. I'm getting calls, and this is a Sunday, right? I'm getting calls from life insurance people. I'm wow. getting calls all the same day. I'm getting calls from God knows who know how they got my number. I mean, I'm just getting calls, mm. right? Non-stop calls, texts, non-stop, okay? Uh, and so much so that I wanted to just shut my phone off or just throw it, right? Just leave me alone. But I couldn't. Everywhere I turned, there was somebody in my face, right? So I had to hold it together. So what helped you do that to get... Actually, get through. I mean, only, only, and it sounds cliche, but only him, really. Only, the Lord was really holding me together. Cause when I tell you, I was, I was, I was ready to just let everybody have it. Because during that time in her life, uh, and and of course, I'm not perfect either. Uh, but during that time in her life, her last moments, she was being used a lot. Mm. You know, used a lot. I just sucked dry, uh, and and it it was hurtful to watch. But it because of her spirit, it was so good. Yeah, and yeah. So loving. It was uh -huh. It was hurtful to watch, but it was also hard to uh, kind of acknowledge and, and just really head on and say, okay, you know what I mean. You're yeah. not really. So well, that's to, my family. You know, mm -hmm. I, that's my that's the, you know. absolutely. And so a lot of people, of course, even then, didn't know everything that was going on. And so to just watch the actions of, of, of people in that moment and in that time, it just, it bothered me. But, uh, like I say, he held me together. So let's fast forward through now, maybe a two or three days, or maybe the next day, I don't know, later. And after having received so many calls and all this kind of stuff, uh, my objective, my agenda, because I'm, I'm tenacious and because in that you have a, uh, you're very structured, right? It's, it's systematic structure, that's, that's me, right? Mm -hmm. So because of that, I'm, my headspace now is what's next? 
because what I can't do is I can't sit in it, dwell sit in it. Because if I do, my nature, I'm never going to let it go. And mental health is a big thing. Yes. Especially it's it's real slipped on mm -hmm. in the African American community. Be Absolutely. strong. Be look. Keep God on your side and, mm -hmm. and keep it Everything going. Everything will be alright. So I was like, I need to get some stuff moving because if not, I'm gonna st I'm gonna stay here. Yeah. Not just physically, like in the apartment. So, like I'm so that gonna stay here. that 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 night, mm -hmm. that Sunday night. Yes. You you were oh, sleeping that same. I wasn't able to get much sleep, but I slept the best I could. Um, you know, uh, let's push back. Cause like I said, it's a lot to unpack. Let's let's mm -hmm. push past. Because uh, I wasn't able to get much sleep. Fast forward the next days or, or two days later, I can't remember. So I, I, I'm in a headspace of let's let's keep moving, make a plan, let's yeah. get a plan together, let's see what's next. I didn't know anything about our financials. I didn't know anything about her life insurance. I didn't know anything about wills. I didn't know anything, uh, and that wasn't even on my mind. It was just more so of physically here where yeah, I, I have, have to, to exist. Yeah. Let's come together as a family and try to do something. So what I did was I cooked. Just come. Because even though I wanted to, to be alone, I also wanted, I didn't want to start doing anything by myself. So I asked everybody to come with just the intentions of let's eat, let's have a good time, let's comfort one another, but also let's put a plan in place. Right. right. So I did all that cooking, invited everybody, absolutely no one showed up. No one. Not even my brother who lived in the same apartment. I mean, nobody showed up. Right. So the next day, because I'm having to get food away, because I literally cooked up a storm, thinking right. my family was getting ready to come in and just eat it up and dwell. Just, just do what she needed to do. Yeah. Enjoy No, nobody showed up. So the next day, everybody shows up. Because not even my aunt shows up. I think she slept somewhere else and everything. Like, mm -hmm. I was by myself. <clears throat> so the next day, everybody showed back up. Of course, at this point in time, food going, all that kind of stuff. So, I'm starting to just kind of, I get a pen and notepad, and I'm, I'm just asking everybody, okay, can we talk about what's next? What's, what are we going to do? What's, what's going on? What's next? Because, you know, she's got clothes, she's got things here, she's got all this stuff, and I, I just need to figure out what we are going to do as a family. To, to make this process move along, right? It explodes. I'm talking about to the point where my brother's getting in my face, uh, and, and my mom, my, my grandmother's popping off at the gums, telling me she can't stand the way I look because I look just like my mom. I mean, just a lot of past traumas. Everything just started exploding. Who do you think you are? And, and who told you to do this? And I'm like, oh, well, we can't just sit in, sit in and do nothing. I can't sit in. Y'all, y'all can sit in it all day long. Yeah. I can't sit in it. Cause if I sit in it, I'm gonna be stuck here. 
And that's exactly what, what happened. So I'm just kind of breaking down the process of how all of this happened, right? And so just for, for you to, for, for, especially for the listener, to be able to see the, the process and, and just the train that got me to the station, right? I'm, I'm literally sh trying to cry out to y'all and let y'all know we got to start moving some stuff around because if not, I'm going to be stuck. Yeah. Because I'm the only one that has to deal with everything the remnants there. of everything else in here. Yeah, the smell, the, the everything. everything. The furniture, the e everything. Because I, I live here. Yeah. My name's on this list. I live here. So I have to deal with the remnants of everything here. Or y'all get to go to y'all's homes and still cry and still grieve and all that. But sleep without worrying about what's, what has to happen here. But on the outside, yeah. So that was my objective that night. It blew up, got ugly, they left. Okay. So at that point, this is maybe two or three days after she's gone. We go through the rest of the week trying to plan funeral arrangements. Um, and was this you planning it out by yourself? or was Absolutely it? not. I had probably minimal to no part in my mom's funeral whatsoever. Wow. So what happened was uh, my brother was power of attorney, my oldest brother, which is perfectly fine. Um, he made majority of those decisions. decisions. The thing about it was, was uh, I know he came to you and said, hey bro, what you think about this? Think she gonna look good in this? Or? No. Um, for the majority of the part, what happened was there was like a money situation going on, right? And so like I had told you all uh, prior, my mom, you know, I, I had to give my mom a check to help her kind of cover the rest of the rent. Right. Uh, and so I was willing and, and, and able to do that. But uh, one day I had went and checked her account at the ATM just to see because I knew I couldn't do anything. Um, just to see if the money was at least in there so that I can go online and try to make the payment, right? And it was short. So, don't know how, don't know what happened, uh, but it certainly was not me. Mm -hmm. I just say it like that. One thing I don't do is steal. Uh, and so, you know, when I brought that back to my brother's attention, my aunt's attention, then all of that energy just turned on me. Well, you were the one with the card. You yeah, I went to the car to check the balance so that I can actually pay the rent and to deposit my check, right? right. But it all got flipped. It all got flipped. So, of course, you know, just with the heat of that and everything else, it just was like, and it, and it may not have ever been intentional, but at the end of the day, I was at the house, right? Uh, my brother stayed in the back of the complex. It all got flipped. So, of course... You know, just with the heat of that and everything else, it just was like, and it, and it may not have ever been intentional, but at the end of the day, I was at the house, right? Uh, my brother stayed in the back of the complex, right? Uh, so we were literally rocked away from each other. Anytime you was hopping in the car to go to the, to the funeral home, uh, it wasn't like you, it was out your way yeah. <laughs> to come say, hey, we get ready to go to the funeral home. So... Just people would just get up. My aunt would get up one, you know, in the morning and leave and be gone all day, and they just be joyriding and and doing whatever, planning the funeral arrangements, doing this, doing that, doing whatever. And I would just be at home, like, okay. Wow. So you know, fast forward to the actual funeral. 
So the wake and, and, and at the time of the funeral. So like I said, I was dealing with a young lady, uh, a friend of mine, and she was not very supportive in the way that I needed her to be. Uh, you know, she tried her best, but it just didn't work for me because I was so much deeper in it than she could ever understand. You ain't lost nobody like, like that. You ain't lost a parent. So you can't understand the depth, right? So with that being said, I said, okay, well, this is what we'll do. We'll go ahead and uh, since you can't come and be by my side, that's fine. The day of the wake or whatever, um, well, let me just back up. The day before the wake, my mom, I had done a locatoring gig for my mom's job and they hadn't paid me yet because, of course, she passed away in that in that time frame. So they went on ahead and uh, paid me. So my brothers, who was driving her car at the time, my brother came into town, so he was finally here. They went to her job. They went to go pick up that money's from me. Now, at the time, I, it was probably only 100 bucks or something like that. I can't remember how much. Very, It wasn't much at the time. That's all that I was expecting because that's all that I knew was coming. Um, so they gave me that money at the the day before the wake. The day of the wake, I walk into the church. I'm there. You know, uh, it's at LOC, so it's, you know, how it's formatted. So I'm walking in. So I see my mom's HR lady. And she comes up to me, hugs me, everything like that. She goes, um, did you, you get the money? I said, yes, ma'am. I got the money. She said, okay. She said, I hope that extra, you know, was going to help with the rent and everything like that. I said, I didn't get any extra. And she was like, no, it was about X, Y, Z amount of dollars. Oh, okay. Okay. She was like, yeah, I gave it. I gave it to your brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I just kept it right there. Okay. Thanks. You kept it professional. Mm-hmm. Just kept it right there. Went went through the wake, sat down, let that sink in, just that casket view and all that kind of stuff, just watching. Uh, at that point in time, you know, I, I'm watching the crowd, too, because I'm looking to see who's here. You know, the, the church was full. Uh, people was all outside, you know, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> so my aunt did not show up. For the wake, for whatever reason, um, which I found that to be kind of funny, right? So I kept it going. Later that night, we get home, and uh, my one of my good friends is dropping me off home because I didn't have a car at the time, mind you. Nobody in the family offered. Hey, you want to ride home? So. Uh, I get home and literally as I'm pulling up, my aunt's pulling up in a rental car. Now I told you she didn't have transportation at the time. She's pulling up in a rental car and I'm sitting there watching because my, my friend is parked in a parking spot. So I can see her, but she can't see me. And and I'm sitting there watching and she pulls up in the rental, get the bags out the car. Look like shopping bags from the stoves and all that kind of stuff, clothes and that kind of stuff. And um, she goes in the house. So then I say, okay, I'll go on and go in the house. So I go in the house, and um, I see clothing bags and other stuff, right? So I didn't say anything because I didn't already put two and two together in my mind. So I Lord, tenacious, keep, keep, hold, hold it together. 
So I kind of go to bed or whatever. The next day, of course, is the funeral. Same ordeal. Limo, I didn't know anything about the arrangements. I didn't, the only thing I knew was the actual order of service. Oh, and the, Right. And the only reason why I knew that is because the church was responsible for pretty much the order of service. That's the only reason why I knew about the order of service. Other than that, I had no clue. Even knew about that if they... Right. They had no clue what was going on. I had no clue of anything. So, limousine, all that. I wasn't in the limousine. My friend came and picked me up for the service. Not even in the family car? Not in the family car, not in the caravan, nothing. Because I had no clue what the... So... I was so grateful because a sister of mine, she, uh, Sister Donna Ashley, I will forever be grateful. Uh, literally, I didn't have a suit to wear or anything. I didn't have no money at the time. Um, and she bought me three suits. They had, I think it was either K&G or Suit Mart 1 or 2. They had a special going on. She mm. bought me three suits. Mm. Boom. Like that. Just yes, like that. I mean, God provides. You, yeah. He will look out for those. So, um, we go through the funeral. And um, and just just as loud as the spirit could, could could speak to me, he said, "Honor thy mother." And that's just that that's just what it was. So you know, I came in. I did not want to go down there and look at the casket. I had not seen her face since they turned her over from the uh, uh, from the paramedics. I had not seen her face or anything like that. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about just the unknowns. I'm just giving the story now. But um, I went down there finally, and I just looked, and I said, okay. And I, I went back up to the stage, and it was time to do praise and worship. And then, so the Lord. And at the same time, you're still oh, praise and worship leader. You're oh, still yeah. pushing through. Still, still ministry. tenacity. Just still. Even though my mom is right here, I still... It's still ministry. So I, I went on the stage and I gave it my all. I said, Lord, use me. And I just let, left it all on the altar. And, um, you know, my spirit was happy, but it was also... Uh, it, it felt like I was in a tornado. Like in the middle of... Like this, the winds and everything just blowing all around me. But I'm just in the center of the tornado. And it's just like... I can feel the breeze. I can see stuff flying everywhere. I can, see, you know, spiritually, I can see things moving and up. But I'm just stuck but in the middle of the tor tornado, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. I'm watching. So, push past the funeral. Yeah, the wake. You know, uh, I mean, not the wake, the repast. And at this point, everybody's in awe, right? Our whole family. Because uh, let me just kind of preface with this. I've never felt truly connected to my family. And even my mom has expressed to me at some point or another, just kind of growing up, she was kind of a little of the awkward one. She wasn't very girly, so she was kind of tomboyish. Uh, so she didn't really have a huge place with the with the ladies, the lady cousins, the boy cousins. Of course, she was a girl, so she wasn't really, you know. Hanging out to go out. Exactly. So she was just kind of always in this weird, awkward place, right? And that's just exactly how I felt. And all of my family from, from when I was a little bitty baby. Wow. I never felt really truly connected. Um, and just just felt it. I never really felt the embrace. Yeah, we have a great family, a big family. We do throw parties and all that. But I never really just felt 100% a connection. part, yes, of my family. From any, from any points of the family, from the immediate to the outskirts, the cousins and all. 
I just never really felt like, okay, these are my folks right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody's amazed. Everybody's in awe. Oh, man, uh, you got a calling on your life and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, just going on and on and on. That when I've been at the calling and I asked right. y'all to come. <laughs> the thing about it is that none of them knew because of the lack of connection. None of, and it's not like it wasn't put out there. You're just not connected enough to me to really understand, right? So I profess my calling and, and been ordained ministry and all that kind of stuff like that back in 2014. And it's 18, so that's four years. I've been preaching, teaching, all that. I've been doing this for four years. I've been doing it all my life. But, you know, the, the on paper stuff. I've been doing this for four years, yeah. and you realizing it at my mama's funeral. Well, bless God, bless you, bless right. God, <laughs> keep it moving. All right. So after the funeral, I get back home, and that's when now that I've I've done what God was kind of filling my little little cup up to do, right? I said, okay, now I can. I ain't want to be me all the way, so I'm still saying, Lord, keep me together. Yeah. But I say, okay, Lord, now I can get some stuff off of me because I'm, I'm knowing things about to change. So I asked my aunt, I said, you know, uh, you know, my brother told me he had given you some money for the rent, correct? And uh, I just, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with that, where it's at. Oh, well, um, you know, my phone bill was due and uh, the girls needed some clothes and uh, I wanted to rent a car because, you know, everybody's down here. And so we all didn't have no transportation. And, and again, I didn't go off like I really wanted to, but right. I didn't. I just said, oh, okay. And left it alone. Wow. So that was, like I said, that's the story from, from, from then to, to the funeral. There's more, but, you know. There's so much more. We may have to two part this we thing. Two part this. Well, be, before before we have to two part it, mm-hmm. what was life? What was life for you after? Mm-hmm. After that experience, the, the funeral and everything like that. And how did it change you? Oh man, it changed me tremendously. One of the main things, like I said, I said before, my mom, uh, she was very used in her last days. A lot of people just. Was taken, taken, taken. I was one of those people in, in, in a certain facet as well. You know, I didn't have uh, all my stuff together. Life financially was already crumbling for me because I had lost a job. And, you know, I was not able to sustain myself. Uh, you know, just a lot of stuff happening right. in my life. So I needed to depend on my mom again. Um, but my mom also knew in a, in, in a, in a great sense that, and, and we had already been roommates before prior because I had that apartment and things like that. And, uh, she and I lived together, and so we split bills and all that. So she already knew that if and when I got it, you'll be able to. I got you it. You got it. You know, <laughs> uh, but at that, at that, I didn't feel so great about just having to depend on her as well. Um, so that's one of the positions that kind of switched gears in my mind and my life is that I'm not ready to just be used by anybody. If it ain't by you, Lord, I don't want to be used because it's just, it's not only is it not a good feeling, but then to me, and of course, this isn't actually what killed her, but there's, it, it propelled to me 
her situation of stress and, and dying from some of that stress. It killed her. I mean, just... Being selfless to so many people. Pouring into everybody, being empty, nobody reciprocating. I mean, it just, it, it, it literally fainted her heart out. In my in my wholehearted opinion, mm. you know, and of course there comes some guilt with that because people know that it's true, especially the people that were a part of that uh, adventure, right? They know, but the guilt and and what will help you acknowledge that and and grow from it and change and shift, that doesn't always set in for for everybody. Right. It set in for me, but that doesn't set in for everybody. And so with that being said, life after was real hard. Uh, so. Let me progress in the story. After a certain point in time, maybe about a week or so, two weeks later after the funeral, uh, one of my really good friends, um, I pretty much babysat our kids from the young, our very young age. I spent summers with them and, and all that kind of stuff. So she's originally from California. Her folks are from California. Uh, so they kind of commissioned for me to come on out there. So all I had to do was pay for my little plane ticket, and they took care of pretty much everything else. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so they're in San Francisco and I was out there for a couple of weeks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, now remember I told you earlier that there was some stigma about money, right? So of course you got folks making false accusations, uh, all that money he stole, he done took a trip to Cali and all this. And it's like, no, you just don't understand when the favor of God is on your life and you're a good person (laughs) to good people. (laughs) <laughs> that comes back to it you. Comes back to you. So, uh, oh, you know, that's just what it was. But of course, I didn't make my my case known before anybody because at that point in time, the one who I absolutely loved and and felt like I owed my life was gone. So at that point, I don't, I don't owe anybody anything. And yeah. and that was my mindset at, at that point in time, especially with the way people were literally pulling on me after she gone. And I'm I'm trying to hold it together, and I got people pulling on me. And I can see why. You see what it's I'm so saying? Rough. So I said, I'm I, I'm not explaining myself. Let them think whatever they want. I don't care. So, yeah. <laughs> um, at that point in time, I progressed, went to California. That was the time of my life. I had a great time, so much peace, just to get away. Yeah. And because I'm already knowing. That tenacious energy I have to just hold and and, and grip. I already knew that they, it, I was coming back to sit in it. So when I came back, but prior to that, I had tried to uh, reason with my aunt because, like I said, she was there at the time, and I wanted to make sure that we could coexist comfortably, right? Um, so I asked her, I said, do you want to move into her room? I will happily switch beds. I'll even move some of the furniture out. I said, but you have two girls. You need a bigger space. Do you want to move into there? No, I'm good. Okay. So I let you have my room, my furniture, everything like that. I was sleeping in my mom's room at the time because I was tired of sleeping on the couch. Uh, it was very hard to sleep in a bed. Very hard. I didn't change it. Well, I don't think I changed the sheets or anything like that. Very hard, but I mean, I I had to sleep. I didn't want to sleep on the couch anymore. Uh, at the time, I had some really nice recliner couches, and they was declining because I was sleeping on them, my 300-pound butt. Uh, you know, so I said, okay, I'm going to sleep in the bed. Got hard, real, real hard. Um, it got to the point to where 
every time I closed my eyes while I was in the bed. She had this face and um, uh, that that face when I when I just looked at it. When the paramedics turned over. Mm-hmm. It, my spirit was showing me that she was fighting for us mm. even to her last moment of dying her face showed me that she was fighting to stay to be here for friend. us it was just such a, a stressed face like I can't leave my boys and who you think the us was just uh, all those people depended on her, I guess, at, at the time. It was so strong, and I couldn't. When I saw that face, I couldn't shake it. That's why I didn't want to see it in the casket. But every time I would close my eyes to go to sleep, that's all I would see. That's it. That's all I would see for hours and hours and hours and hours. So it got to the point to where, you know, the lady that I was uh, with at the time, I would tell her, I would say, just. Fall asleep first and let me watch you sleep. Let me just look at you sleep. Keep your vision. Try to keep So I can vision. hold on to something other than this, right? I because I couldn't see that. I, I couldn't keep seeing it. And so even after a while, like I say, it was a toxic relationship. So, you know, things happened or whatever. And and when I when when I no longer had her a part of my life, it only made it ten times harder. So fast forward, like I said, this was prior to California. Me going into California, I asked my aunt, I said, let's have an agreement. Let's put it in writing, whatever, whatever. This is what we're going to do. Because despite you not giving, despite you not doing the right thing with the money that you were given, that you shouldn't have been given at all. Let's try to make it right let's, Let's try to fix it now, okay? Because I did what I could. One of my, uh, Old high school teachers reached out to me. Our church has a rental assistance program. They paid my rent for that month. And it was I was so grateful for it. But uh let me get a napkin or something. It's uh it should be a roll on that table, I think. <clears throat> Appreciate you. That's good. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So uh, you know. This was prior to California. I go to California. I leave a little contract on her desk just saying, hey, I'll pay half, whatever, this, this, that. Because at the time, I still didn't have a job, but I was willing to do what I had to do, do the plates, whatever. And also, at the time, my mom's job had um, given me her old position. Now, not at the same pay. (laughs) Which means there was still going to be some gray areas, but it was at least enough, more than enough to at least pay the rent and get, you know, the lights paid or something like that. So we were going to, you know, split our differences. Uh, so I left her the contract and said, please just, you know, look it over. When I, By the time I get back, let me know your decision. Right. <clears throat> well, they didn't know how long I was going to be gone, so... I don't know for sure, can't say, only she can say, but I'm guessing that after I left for California, she left too. Because <laughs> when I got back... She was packed up and gone. I mean, not packed up. She just wasn't gone. When the night I came back from California, nobody was in the house. So I'm literally like, okay. Mine is by myself now. At the time, I didn't know it. I'm, I'm texting, I'm 
you know, trying to figure out what's going on, not getting a response. So I just waited out. First night, no. Second night, no. Third night, no. And then she was there. She had came back. She was there for a little bit. She would take me to work every now and again, help me out there. For the most part, I was lifting to work every day. And, um, you know, when I would come home at night, she, she would be gone. You know, I'd come home after after work, she'd be gone. I wouldn't be on all that night, you know. So after a while, it was, that was just literally a couple of days. After that, it was gone, gone. You ain't came back at all. I'm really trying to figure she out what's going on. About the note that was left on nothing. The phone. I ain't trying nothing. to bring that back up. None of nothing, that. nothing, nothing. So at that time, I'm like, what's really going on? Um, fast forward, um, like I said, that was probably a little beginning of October. She died in September, so that was the beginning of October. So all through October, nothing. Right? No activity, no text, no, hey, this is where I'm going to be tonight. Nothing. No kind of communication. I get a message from her October 30th saying, hey, we're going to be moved out completely by the 1st, November 1st. So from, like I say, late September all the way to October 31st or 30th, I hadn't received any communication. Then on November 1st, she was packed up and gone because before she was just gone. Now. November 1st, you packed up and gone. Don't know where you're going. Don't know nothing. No communication about it. Just, I'm gone. That's yeah. pretty much it. So from that point on, that was the last day that anybody physically stepped foot in that apartment. From November 1st, 2018, all the way through March or April when I moved out. Of course, I don't have a car. I don't. Have, so I'm literally in there by myself because I, I couldn't get to the job. So I had to let the job go. I couldn't get there every day. It was costing me more in Uber and lifting there every day than to than what it'd be worth for me to keep the job, right? So I was in the house every day from prior to November first, but physically no other person stepped in that house since she left that day. And I was in that house every day by myself, every single day, all day long. Again, only by the, oh, oh yeah, because nobody from that point after the funeral ever reconvened to say, let's figure out what we're gonna do with our clothes. Let's get pictures. Let's get let's let's so figure you're this going out. Through all of that by yourself. By myself, and and had reached out at some point about okay, are we gonna do something about this? No communication. No right communication. Though. So at this time. Tenacity, you have to keep pushing through. I keep pushing through. Don't know how. It's only by the grace of God that you know, my, my lights were cut off a few times, but uh, you know, I was able to get things going. Or I would, man, I was well, I was doing long. some stuff, man. <laughs> I would I would literally switch light companies because originally lights were in her name, so mm -hmm. they had cut off, and I was trying to make some kind of arrangement with them. Of course, they wouldn't talk to me because she's deceased and all this kind of stuff. So they cut the lights off, and that same day I had switched the light company to put lights in my name. And I would keep the lights on for so many days, 30 days or whatever, 60 days or whatever. And then when they cut off, <laughs> I called another company <laughs> and switched it over to my name. <laughs> I had to do it because yeah. I didn't have any money. Right. I didn't have no money. I, know, I, I don't even know how I was eating. I really don't. I don't even remember eating 
just through that whole time was a blur of physically what am I doing but I was just so stuck I like I said I did I, the only people that would I would have interaction with throughout the entire week would be my church family I would go to church that's it that's all that's all human interaction I would have throughout the week because I mean I just I just had none uh, I was still in my relationship or whatever just kind of back and forth but that ended in about January so from January to about March or April I literally I didn't have no kind of connection whatsoever not even phone calls right and so at the time I was really angry with a lot of people very angry with a lot of people it put me in a bad headspace with just about everybody I, I knew and thought I heard the word I love you from yeah you see what I'm saying because and and not not anything against my church family or anything like that they they did their best and they tried to you know, uh, uh, make sure I was eating, and, and you know they did what they they needed to do as as my church family, but just generally, just my family, my people, all that. The people that normally come to you. And I'm knowing that lies have been told about me, so I was uh, one of my brothers took me out for my birthday that very first year after she passed that November, and uh, and he just shot it to me straight, man. Everybody been telling me that you was doing this and you was doing that, and, blah, and I'm like. Nobody ever called me. Nobody ever asked me. Nobody ever asked for my side. It was just stuff being said. So I was very upset with my family, all of my family. I mean, it was just really disappointing to know that uh, because. Y'all couldn't communicate with me. Right, because at the time. Everybody else about me. About me, right. But at the time, too, I was the youngest, right. And I feel like when people think that you're at a level of independence in your life, Oh, they're all right. They don't need. You don't know what I need because you ain't asked. You ain't asked. And everybody in my family at that time knew I didn't have a job. They knew I didn't have a car. And I felt even more hurt because I'm like, why would you leave me, my aunt? Why would you leave me? You're first. You firsthand know these things because you're in the house with me. Why would you leave me? Knowing. Knowing this, you literally just, it's just like you leaving me to the wolves. You leaving me to fail. That's how I felt. So no, 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 no help from grandmother, no help from aunt, no help from uncles, no help from pretty much anybody. I was literally just in that place stuck. So every day was hard because I'm sleeping in her bed. I can't shake the images. I'm in my spirit. I'm feeling pains, heavy, weighted. I'm feeling pains. One night, um, I rolled back the sheets and I finally got the strength to just roll back the sheets, right? And this is after going through a hard breakup, after going through, you know, just the job loss, a lot of things. And I rolled back the sheets. a lot of people don't understand. As a male, as a man, that really takes a toll. Like, mm-hmm. gosh, like, I'm... I'm what do I what's, do? What's up? What's what do going? I do? Yeah, what do I do? That's all I... That's, that's the only question I could keep asking. What am I, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? One night I rolled back the sheets. I was like ready to change them or something. Finally, after months of just laying in, I'm in the same bedding, the same sheets that she done passed in. I'm laying in, right? Sickening. Uh, but one night I rolled back the sheets and I moved the pillow out the way and I undo the pillowcase and I see blood. And I just get so weak and I'm like, oh my goodness. Because uh, it's never been really confirmed what she died of, but what I believe in my heart was seizures. She had epilepsy at one point in her life, went away, 
was dormant for years. She started taking medicine, I think, after a hysterectomy, after some heart um, surgery or something like that. And that, that medicine induces seizures. As an epileptic, they're just, it's not good. It's like, you know, putting jumper cables on the battery. You know what I'm saying? It's going to charge it up. So, um, you know, she started having seizures. And, of course, months before she passed, I remember spending, leaving work early, going to the hospital because she had the hospital. And then everybody else leave. And I'm there till 3 o'clock in the morning waiting on her to get released from the hospital so I can take her back home and make sure she all right. And I mean, it just, that, that, was, a, that was a cycle. With the, with the it was a cycle. So, um, with that being said, you know, she, I believe she died from a seizure. So, I believe the blood came from her body and on her tongue and that kind of thing. And because I never really just watched or paid attention. But, of course, now every night I'm laying on these pillows. Right. I've never seen a speck of blood. But now that I can see, see, I'm seeing blood all on the pillowcase and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just get weak. And I'm just like. And at that point, that was kind of the point that drove me to start putting some stuff out and moving some stuff and getting rid of her clothes and all that. Like that woke me up a little bit to say, I can't sit. In. I can't sit in this no more. I can't. Right. Yeah. So um, and then, you know. Like I say, doing it all with no help. So that was my, my main thing is I had to do it all with no help. But you were able to get the process together. Get it started, get it rolling, right? Um, and so that's pretty much it. Like I say, no, no, no. It changed me in such a way because now it really helped me. Uh, it, it didn't change my nature because me and my mom's nature were two days apart. Like I said, she's November 12th, I'm November 14th. So my nature didn't change, but the why I do what I do changed tremendously. It shifted how you Oh, it shifted tremendously. Because now I'm knowing that if you let folks, they will destroy <laughs> you. They say that saying is true. You give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Oh man, and and I wasn't even in 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 grief and even in going through all these things by myself and even in in these challenges, I wasn't finna let nobody just destroy me. Not even me, because I was very destructive to myself at the time. And one of my biggest things too is within the confines of my relationship at that time. You know, the, there was a complaint. Well, you've changed. Of course, I've changed. This kind of ask, thing. What would you do differently uh, now if you had the opportunity to change anything? The only thing that I would change, the only thing that would be different, and this and and this is speaking prior to my mom's passing, because me and my mom we had uh, some minor issues, and 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 what really put me at peace was my bishop. He told me uh, this was I think before even the the funeral or walking into the funeral. You know, he was like, you know, you and your mom, y'all were real best friends. And he said, and you know, best friends fight. Yeah. But they never let it linger. Yeah. And he they said, you and your mom, y'all had some issues, but you, you ain't never, never let it linger, right? And with, that, with you saying that, it mm -hmm. kind of calls to me just the night before she, how she came mm -hmm. on the couch. And yeah, just hugged. Hugged and loved, mm -hmm. just loved, loved on, me. on me. So, um... In the confines of that, there's another thing that I'm about to say that I probably never said it 
in I mean anybody in particular. But um, so some years before my mom passed, she expressed one night we were in Bible study, and um, we were in church, and she expressed one night. I guess through the word was good, and she was feeling you know some type of way. So she expressed she she essentially apologized to me, but she also expressed that you know when she found out she was pregnant with me. Uh, she tried everything she could to abort me because at the time she had three kids, you know, just life, life was going on. And so she felt like she couldn't afford, she couldn't afford, you know, another child. Right. And so she, she did, she, she said she would save up. I mean, she's telling this story now, mind you in church. In front of everybody. It's your first time in. And this is my first. This is news to me. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, uh, you call me what you want, but that's just not the way. And, and, but let me finish the story. But anyway, so she said that, you know, she was really trying. She was trying everything she could and that she, uh, would literally, she would go to the, the to the Planned Parenthood or whatever it was. And they would say, oh, it's this much. And she would go and she would work and she would pick up extra shifts and overtimes and, and then she'd get the exact amount of money they told her and she'd run back and get to the doctor and they say, oh, they done went up on it. It's an extra 200 You know what I'm saying? And every time she would do, she did that about three or four times. Every time she would do it, by the time she got the money up, it would always be more. Wow. Right? Uh, and that's nothing but God, right? But... Um, that's your life is worth more. Right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you for that revelation. And so... You know, she told me that, and then she told me, you know, she really, really did up until the very last week or two of her pregnancy tried to abort me. Yeah. And that, you know, she was sorry, and that uh, she thanks God for me every day because she, you know, sees what my life has become and all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I, I understand it now, yeah. having gone through the life, because after hearing that, I resented her from that point on to the rest of her last bit of life because it wasn't, I wasn't looking at the positive, number one. I wasn't looking at what she was saying. I, I wasn't like hearing her. The how it came out, the, the why it even came out, you know, that hurt me just to, to a place of solitude to where it was like, I don't even know how to feel about you anymore mm. because it took for you to say that and say it in front of the church and all this kind of stuff is news to me. At the um, at the t- I can't remember exactly what year it was, but I probably couldn't have been no younger than 16, no more than 18 maybe. Wow. So it took, it took its toll on me because it's like, how do you receive that and be like, well, I'm glad you didn't. I love you anyway. Yeah. It, 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 it was real hard for me to receive. And hear it and understand it and understand where she was coming from. So I resented her for a long time after that because, it, like I say, living a life where my father was not in my life, so I already felt unwanted. Right. Right. And he and mom say, I didn't it was a point in time yeah. <laughs> that I didn't want you. That was hard. Yeah. That was hard to hear. And to hear it at a place where you felt wanted. Yeah. I was in the church 
and I sang and I worship and yeah. I, I did all kind of stuff and I was I had my position and I was over children's ministry and I was doing so much you know and I knew that that was a place where I was valued to hear that in a place where you feel the most valued it was oh it was hard so it took it took a long time for me to forgive her for that and even after death I had to forgive her for that I never had a chance to give her that conversation and say you hurt me I just kept the, the resentment I kept the walls it affected our relationship. It did not as much as it could have because I didn't like uh, hate her or I wasn't like I'm not speaking to you no more. We but still had our yeah, heart. it's we we still had our friendship. We still you know had our closeness. We were always close. Anybody right. you ask, you, you they'll tell you we we're always close. It was just a matter of now it's just some distance between that closeness for me. Or at this moment. At this moment. And so if I could change anything, it would have been number one to have that conversation with her. Because, it, again, I didn't understand a lot of stuff until, of course, now she's gone. And I don't have that opportunity to give her that conversation. So I didn't understand everything. But now that I understand things a little differently, to have that opportunity to be able to have that conversation with her and say, this is how you hurt me. I appreciate you apologizing, but I need you to, I need you to, accept a little bit more accountability here and and work we're gonna have to work we're gonna work on this together absolutely so that's what i would change if i could change anything uh as far as my actions for what happened when she died and who i called and how do i wouldn't change that for not a soul granny uncle auntie no i don't care because i knew what i needed right. i knew what i needed and especially me having found her deceased. And of course, I, I, I've heard it. That was ordained for you. Well, sometimes I wish it wasn't. <clears throat> sometimes I wish it wasn't ordained for me. But if it had to be anybody else, I don't think it could be anybody else. You know? Not strong enough to, be able to, to follow the proper. To be able to hold on after the experience. To still be able to hold on. To be tenacious through it all. Through it all. And so that's pretty much what I would change if I could change anything. It's just to have that conversation with her, let her know exactly how. Because there, there were times when she would ask me, what did I do? What, how, did, how did I hurt you? And it, I just was never, ever strong enough to just say, you really didn't want me? I'm never strong enough to get that out. So what is your takeaway for those, for someone who may be listening that Whew. you don't know what lies tomorrow? One thing I can honestly say and be thankful about my mom is that she prepared. She prepared for her death. We didn't have to worry about pretty much anything. We made all of the arrangements. Uh, well, all the arrangements got made, uh, you know, with without the financial burden. <clears throat> so my takeaway is learn to accept life for what it is. The Bible is very specific, and it calls life a vapor. And that literally equates to here today, gone tomorrow. Or if anything stronger pushes through that vapor, then it's it's separated, right? That's a vapor. And so we got to accept life for what it is as a vapor. We only have a window of time. And unfortunately, that window of time is appointed, right? 
and that information is never going to be privy to us. Right. So with that being said, uh, I know that the cliche says live every day like it's your last, but not with the with with the with the understanding that you think. If you're going to live every day like it's your last, then make sure you're prepared for the ones who are still going to be left when you're gone. Make sure that road is prepared, is paved. Make sure those doors, those keys, make sure everything is put in order because you never know when it's your last. And I don't mean financially. I don't What I'm literally talking about is your connection because for her to give me at least a moment of connection before she left this earth is something that I had to be tenacious about I had to hold on to that last piece of connection and I still hold on to that last piece of connection to this very day and there are so many who leave this earth wishing they had one more hug one more conversation, one more. So if you're going to live every day like it's your last, that don't mean go blow your money. That don't mean save your money that you can't do nothing with. And, and that, that don't mean go live recklessly. That literally means make sure that every connection that you make with one to another person is a fulfilling connection. That when you walk out that door, when you walk out that whatever, when you walk out this door we call life and you're gone, you're not leaving nobody lost. That's hard to do, but be conscious about it. And that's been my goal ever since. I want to love on folks to where they know they was loved by Davion Lewis. I, my mom had this hug thing. I don't, I don't think I had it like that, but you know. I, but but with with that in mind, she hugged folks, and 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 that was the the thing everybody knew. You know what I'm saying? They knew when they got a Sweeney hug. You see what I'm saying? And 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 I want to leave my mark in that regard. When folks come to my house, I want them to know they was at Davion's house. Yeah. When folks eat my food, I want them to know they eat my food. When when folks are embraced by me, when they have a conversation with me, whatever, whatever connection piece I have with you, I want folks to know oh that that was that brother there I, I know that and that's my takeaway parents children I don't care who you are we all have to go sometimes at some point in time we all have to go but you need to make sure that every day you are here you are making connections with your loved ones and even with strangers that will last forever that's my takeaway that's my right. takeaway. <sighs> it's been awesome. I appreciate the story. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for sharing, loving. Uh, like I said, we've got, excuse me, for some great episodes coming up. Next week, we'll be talking to Tina Cole, and she will be giving us uh, her story. Um, I won't tell you everything about it, but she'll give she'll give us her story. She's a life coach, and she's come a long, long way, so I can't wait for you all to meet her. And uh, thereafter, we'll have plenty of more people who are just going to come in and, and be a blessing. So if this was a blessing to you as much as it was to me, I appreciate Tony uh, for coming in and guest interviewing and keeping the conversation going. 
And I also, um, you know, just appreciate all of you for coming in and listening and hearing my story. And there's many more to come. So, uh, Tony, tell everybody where they can find you. Hey, again, you can definitely follow us at Exclusive Talk Radio. Um, that's Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can reach me and Tony Albright on Facebook, Tony Albright on Instagram. That's, again, Exclusive Talk Radio, Instagram, Facebook, as well as YouTube. So make sure you... Go ahead and follow us on all those platforms. Yes. Not just music, maybe it's news all across the world. Yes, yes. And of course, um, you all know where to find me. Email, everything is Council's Kitchen. Links are all going to be in the bio or in the description of this video or podcast. So you can click direct links to find both Tony and I. And uh, hopefully Tony will be back in a future episode to tell his story. He's got awesome hey, stories, well. I'm ready for it. I'm so, ready for this. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. I appreciate y'all. And as always, I tell y'all every single podcast, go and be great. Yeah. Hello there. And welcome to the Counselor's Kitchen, where the food is therapy and the kitchen table is safety. We want to have a conversation today. So we've got just the spot for you right here at the kitchen table where we talk about life, and everything it has to offer. So pull up a seat and join the conversation right here at the council's kitchen table.